on behalf of Yarra City Council, I'd like to acknowledge the Wawundjeri Woiwurrung people as the traditional owners and true sovereigns of the land now known as Yarra. We also acknowledge the significant contributions made by other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people to life in Yarra. We pay our respects to elders from all nations here today, and to their elders, past, present, and future. Hi, everyone. This is Nick from Yarra Libraries, recording in branch at Bagunganyan North Fitzroy Library. I'm joined by my colleague Eliza and our special guest, Nina Pasqualini, a year 10 student going to school in Yarra involved with School Strike Melbourne. Welcome, Nina. Uh, hi. <laughs> that was a bad laugh, but yeah. <laughs> All right, let's just jump right into it. Uh, This past year of 2020 has been such a chaotic year in terms of global reckoning with late-stage capitalism due to COVID-19, but there's also been an even more urgent need to acknowledge and take action on the environmental emergencies that kind of feel nonstop at this point. Could you tell us a little bit about how you became aware of the climate emergency? Um, I guess I've always been kind of aware of the climate emergency. It's kind of a subconscious thing. Like, I can't remember when I became aware of it. Like, I think my parents must have said something when I was little and it was just kind of in the back of my brain until maybe, you know, 10, 11, 12, when I kind of got more information from probably school and then the school strike thing happened. Um, so the marches when I was in high school and I went to like a climate leadership program and that taught me more. So it's kind of just been a gradual progression of learning a bit more about the climate emergency. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, does your high school speak or did your high school speak openly about the climate emergency? Like didn't keep that under wraps from the students? I don't know if they kept it under wraps. I don't think they explicitly had a lesson about it you know they Mm -hmm. probably acknowledged it Um, my primary school probably did that as well but you know we've never had like an outright conversation about it I don't think yet maybe a tiny bit in uh, later years geography and stuff when we're talking about environmental things but yeah okay so how did you become involved with school strikes for climate and what kind of role did you take on um I became involved uh, officially last year around early lockdown, um, maybe autumn or winter. Had like a SLP thing. It was run by AYCC. It's just kind of like a climate leadership program. I did that uh, in 2019. And so I did that probably every, it was either Wednesday or Friday. And we just built skills about climate, climate leadership in, in schools and stuff. And then they kind of introduced us to school strike, but I didn't join straight away because at the time I went to like a initiation, but the people who were onboarding at that point, uh, they didn't end up onboarding anyone from that initiation. Mm. So I ended up joining because I texted my friend who was in school strike, like, can you get me in? Like last time I tried, I didn't get in. And she was like, yeah, sure. That's so interesting that it's like to be initiated in into the organization or into organizing and that 
it actually came down to you texting someone that you had a connection with to be like, hey, get me involved in this. Yeah, I think it's usually way easier. It was just that period of time. It was a bit of confusing time for the Melbourne team. Yeah. Um, it was after big action. So I think now it's easy, you know, just sign up on the website and we'll probably get you onboarded pretty quickly. But yeah, back then it was um, just in that little bit of time when I tried uh, the onboarding process was down. So Yeah. I'm pretty curious about this um, uh, training that you're talking about, the getting more familiar with climate action and what's going on in the climate emergency that you said in 2019 you did a training or yeah. how did you describe it? It was a program. Program. So it was uh, quite a few sessions at the Green Building uh, near Queen Vic Market and yeah, there's just a group of people who are young people who are interested in climate change and we learnt all about the climate emergency and how to create change in our local communities. That's amazing. So really learning how to become an activist, especially around climate change. Yeah, I think it was quite it was quite helpful. Yeah. Um because it was quite a bit before I got involved in school strikes, so it was quite helpful to get a bit of a skill set when it comes to activism. Yeah. So what does it mean to you to be a climate activist in 2021 during a global pandemic? Well, it's kind of confusing because, you know, I don't really see myself as a climate activist. I mean, I guess I act, you know, I'm active in the climate space. You mm-hmm. know, I'm trying to, I'm, you know, trying to fight for climate justice in Australia and around the world Um, but it's quite chill honestly it's a bit of a community in school strike so I kind of do it outside of school and it's yeah but in pandemic terms it's been really interesting because I joined during a pandemic so all I've really known in school strike has been kind of more online and I've been to so many zoom calls like (laughs) just so many zoom calls um so, yeah, now it's a bit of new ground uh, when we're getting out of the pandemic here in Australia. Well, we're not past it, but you know what I mean? Lock- lockdown is easing mm-hmm. because I'm experiencing more um, actual in-person actions and starting to organize big rallies again, which is kind of what you think of when you think of school strike. But, yeah, uh, in lockdown, it was more government-based, targeting MPs and online actions. Right. So it was much more administrative. Yeah. I know in September there was a pretty big mass action that happened and that was in the middle of stage four lockdown. How did that, how was that? Yeah. So I joined uh, probably a few months before that. So I kind of got, you know, right into that. It was kind of my lockdown hobby, um, (laughs) you know, with everyone else. It was what I did in lockdown basically. Uh, it was difficult because it was stage four lockdown. You know, we had to do things very legally. Right. We didn't want to, you know, it's very important for us not to be seen as people trying to break lockdown because that is obviously discredits the climate movement quite yeah, a bit. Totally. Um, so, yeah, we were just trying to think of the best ways to do stuff remotely uh, in Melbourne because especially for the Melbourne team it was very hard because – some parts of Australia were a lot more free than okay. Melbourne. Um, so some parts could have actions that were in person, like small ones. But in Melbourne, we had like an online rally and 
lots of little video parties and stuff around the date and more MP targeting. It's so cool how we go into these online spaces to continue activism and how that can really reach a global network. So the online action can be inspiring to people in North America or in other parts of the world that are obviously also experiencing climate emergencies, whether they admit to it or not. (laughs) So what do you think we can learn from First Nations people as a way to care for the land and waterways that are being dangerously impacted by climate change? Um, Well, obviously, as I'm not a First Nations person, I probably can't answer that to my full, full ability. But I do think that it's really important to put First Nations people at the forefront of the climate movement here in Australia because they've been here for the longest time and they know so much about the environment here and they've just got such deep-rooted knowledge about how to help the environment and such a care for um, our planet. And in climate justice terms, First Nations people will probably be hit first and worst because the Western world has been the people um, contributing to this. Um, You know, White Australia has been contributing the most to climate change. And so it's kind of unjust that they are facing it at really um, harsh levels because, yeah. So I think it's really important to put them at the forefront of the movement. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for that answer. Sometimes it can feel so dire to be dreaming of a harmonious future amongst the current backdrop, but what gives you hope for your future and for next generation's future? Um, It's a difficult one because honestly, I don't think I have been feeling very hopeful lately. Mm -hmm. There's just been so many statistics and, you know, climate anxiety has been a thing that I've been having to deal with and lots of people in the climate movement because you're fighting so hard for something, but it kind of doesn't feel like anyone's listening or, you know, there's all these statistics coming out like scientists basically going, you know, we're done for at this point if you guys keep doing this. You know, we're going to hit 2.7 by, you know, XX, you know, amount of time. And that's crazy. And it's like, how can I feel hopeful? But when when it comes down to it, I think just the people I know who fight so hard to – you know, um, uh, fight for change in Australia. Yeah, they give me hope. Yeah, lots of my friends are really cool and they, <laughs> they, <laughs> I feel like they can do anything. So hopefully we can make a change as a new generation of people who actually want to save our environment. <laughs> yeah, I think that those friendships and connections and networks, people are so important in this because obviously corporations are impacting the world in such a horrific way. And that humanity of like being in solidarity with your friends and with other communities that maybe you're not a part of. um, I can see where the hopelessness or the bleakness comes forward. And also it's nice to be able to have people with you. Yeah. Yeah. So, last question for you today. How can others, especially other young people, get involved with climate action? Uh, So, there's lots of ways. Obviously, you can go to whatever actions we're having in the near future. We're going to have some in autumn. 
Um, you can follow uh, the Melbourne School Strike for Climate Instagram or the Victorian School Strike for Climate Instagram, obviously the Australia one, but the Melbourne ones will have kind of more direct ones according to the area you live in. Mm-hmm. So you can go to those actions. It's a great way to put pressure on the government and show support. If you want to join School Strike, um, you can go to the School Strike website and join on there. And there is also a pledge on the School Strike for Climate website, which um, you are pledging. I can't really remember what the, the pledge is for, but it's like you're pledging to agree with all of School Strike for Climate's demands, which is, you know, you know, the government to start listening to us and stuff. I can't, you know, get them off the top of my head. But, yeah, so signing the pledge, joining School Strike, showing up to us and just not being passive in terms of the yeah. climate emergency. Um, sometimes it's really easy to feel disconnected from our environment, I think, and compartmentalizing it. But, you know, you've got to start realizing at some point this is our future and you've got to fight for it. So you can do that in lots of ways. Brilliant last words. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us today and sharing your insights about being part of School Strike for Climate. Thanks, Nina. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. This has been Nick and Nina Pasqualini on the Yara Libraries podcast. To get more information on School Strike for Climate, check out schoolstrikeforclimate.com. That's schoolstrike4climate.com. And check out Yara Libraries podcast for more content on climate change. If you're interested in youth-centered programming, join us at Burgunganamian North Fitzroy Library for a DIY zine-making workshop on April 15th. Thanks for listening.